You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. And today is a book club wrap-up. And in addition, we have a studio guest, which means today is like a mashup of all mashups. And our guest is one of my favorite people, which is even better. And she's in person with us today. Uh, don't worry, we are socially distanced in our studio. Uh, but if our sound sounds a little different, it's because we're actually all in person for the first time in six months. So we're going to celebrate that just slightly a little bit. Yay. Uh, joining us in studio today is Kay Wolf, who is an LCMS pastor's wife, a fellow Lutheran lady, and someone who grew up in Rosa J. Young's hometown and knows her legacy well. And Rachel, take it away. This is going to be a good a good discussion today. Well, our book club read this time around was Light in the Dark Belt, the story of Rosa Young as told by herself. And this is an autobiography that comes from a really special time and place in the history of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, where um, Rosa J. Young, who became an educator and a missionary and tells her story of how she spread Lutheranism in rural Alabama in the first part of the 20th century. It's a really powerful, inspiring story. Got us all asking some tough questions, and we'll get into that in a little bit. And I'm so glad that we have Kay Wolf in the studio with us. Well, I'm not in the studio, but you guys are. And then <laughs> yeah. We will have some questions specifically for her in a little bit. But first, I want to open it all up, open it up to Sarah, Aaron, Bree, who were all reading this alongside our book club and ask you now, Sarah, I know you read this book earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So think back to when you were encountering it for the first time. What surprised you in it? Or what did you learn from it that you didn't know before? And what were, more generally, your impressions of the book? Well, I know back in February, uh, it was a story that I I was familiar with um, because of Black ministry and working here and knowing Kay as well. It was a story I was somewhat familiar with, but I didn't really know. Reading it was very eye-opening. And then going back uh, this time around and listening to the podcast that I did, and revisiting her story, uh, it hit me even more so this time around, just the incredible perseverance that it takes and courage to face everything that she faced and to still move forward and to still keep going for the sake of teaching children Christ. That is something that I think we can all learn. And I think every time I encounter her story, it it that still gets me <laughs> every time. I think, you know, we... We read in in history books about the Jim Crow South and, you know, how things were particularly awful for mm-hmm. people of color back in those days. But I think with, the you know, how the book opened, it it's almost unbelievable from a person of my perspective to realize that people of color in those days lived in such abject poverty that like it's it's unbelievable to me and it's unbelievably sad Mm -hmm. this is obviously a time in our nation's history where we we are constantly needing to assess that i know you know it's not a time in our history that people like talking about and it's uncomfortable because you read about these conditions that that rosa was accustomed to and so it just 
it breaks my heart and it gives me pause because it's it's a lot worse than it was a lot worse than I imagined before I opened the book. Mm-hmm. I think what I noticed and I I did notice what you're talking about with with the the physical poverty and she certainly described that. Although I'll be honest it did not necessarily didn't strike me as as shockingly maybe I don't know um maybe partly because of the in in my work travels I've I've mm-hmm. been in a lot of different places that it while I we don't necessarily see a lot of that level of physical poverty here in the US today I'm sure some of it actually still is out there but it's it's not nearly as widespread but it is a, around the world but what really struck me in reading it is the way that Rosa always brought it back to the the deeper poverty that they had and mm-hmm. that was that mm-hmm. they had they had no idea the gospel they had no idea mm-hmm. who Jesus was and what he had done for them and that they were just living in utter spiritual darkness yeah. and that she saw that clearly as the much greater deeper yes. need and i think that that I really resonated with me as somebody who works in the mission department that that mm-hmm. that really is that's all of our our deepest need is is the gospel and the hope that that we get um, because of what what God has done for us through his son. And the other thing that that struck me in reading it was <laughs> this is just sort of a logistical thing, but the fact that <laughs> even back then, like there was a mission board and they had to be petitioned, <laughs> and the mission board. I mean, we sort of joke about it, but honestly, they wanted to do it in a good way, and they considered: yeah. is this actually is this actually a need? Who could we send that would be able to assess this need? Should we should we try and actually do something with this? It wasn't just an individual. Sure, Rosa is the one that sort of said, hey, come and help. But it wasn't then just the, you know, pastor deciding, oh, I think I'm going to go do this. There was there was actually a process for it. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's how we do it today. And that's how we did it then. <laughs> and, yeah. and wonderful work happened and flowed out of that. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, I just sort of observed that. <laughs> Did you see the movie Gran Torino with uh, Clint Eastwood? Blame it on the Lutherans. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. I I think I share all of those, you know, surprisings and learnings. And, and you know, for those of you who haven't read the book yet, when, when Brie talks about abject poverty, this book, when it opens, the story starts 40 years after the end of slavery when people were alive who had been born enslaved. And so it's very close and it's very raw. And we like to think that when the Emancipation Proclamation happened, you know, snap your fingers and suddenly everyone's life is is peachy keen. And that's not the reality right. we see happening mm-hmm. in this story, that it has been a long struggle to begin to make things right. But what really surprised me, honestly, most of all, was that there's a there was there is a vibrant Lutheran community in Alabama. Right. <laughs> I didn't I mean, my a little personal backstory from me, my father is Lutheran going back generations, like lots of pastors in the family, kind of, you know, six generations in from Germany. My mother's from Alabama. <laughs> and 
but her that side of the family has no connection to Lutheran Church. So I, I always wrongfully assumed that you know Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, that's Lutheran land. Alabama, that's non-Lutheran land. And I was so happy to find it otherwise. So uh-huh. that's like a personal and one person who could have definitely cleared that up for me right away was if I'd known UK. Okay. <laughs> this. You were born in Rosa Young's hometown and spent a lot of time there growing up. Can you tell us? Like paint the picture for us. What's it like down down there? I've I've been to Alabama, but not to that part of Alabama. And tell us what the you know the culture, the community. What do you remember about it? Well, one of the things I'd like to say is when people think of light in the dark belt, they think of or light in the, in the black belt, they think of black people, and it's actually the soil mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. was black mm-hmm. and rich mm-hmm. and really good for mm-hmm. planting cotton and for harvesting things. So, so the the black belt is the soil, and. We we didn't know we were poor and raggedy and, um, you know, we were, I had a happy childhood. I was born in my grandmother's bed and uh, so was my sister, but my brother, because my mother had gone with my father somewhere to Florida, he was born in a hospital and that was like a big deal. It was wow. like, oh, you were born in a hospital? What was that like? It's like, <laughs> you know, he didn't know what it was like, but, but that was like, um, you know, that was a big thing if you were born in a hospital. But of course, dating myself, uh, being back in the, uh, you know, in the 50s, we didn't have running water. We didn't have, you know, we had an outhouse. My brother would go with me. We had a two-seater, but we, we didn't go together. <laughs> but he would be there with a stick to in case some snakes came around. Oh, no. <laughs> you know. Oh, no. And the chickens were like, you know, they couldn't wait for you to drop some stuff so that they could go in and eat it. That. So um, we... <laughs> You know, life was really good for me now. I didn't know what else was happening. Um, You know, I would feed the chickens. Uh, My grandmother cooked really, really good. My mother could cook. We ate good. Um, You know, um, Sunday was chicken. I didn't want to eat the chicken because they were my chickens. Mm. And I'm like, um, and and grandma would go out there and ring a chicken. And I'm like, can you go get a chicken from the store and not not kill my chicken? But I didn't realize that we were taking our chickens to the store. So, you know. Um, and I still don't know if I ever ate a rattlesnake or not because my grandmother wouldn't tell me. Oh, you no. know, I was saying, oh, the one thing I've never eaten is rattlesnake. And she says, how do you know you haven't eaten? <laughs> that you uh, know of. That I know. Um, now, there was there was a problem with, with segregation. Uh, I didn't experience it until I went into town. Town was Camden about um, about 11 miles away. That was That was the town. And um, I'm going to try and get through this story without crying, but I do see some tissue here. So, like I said, happy childhood. If you stayed on your property, you, you know, you were just, that's just the way it was. You know, we had um, 
school clothes, church clothes, and play clothes. You did not, oh, in bed clothes, and you didn't wear your dirty clothes to bed. You know, we they dust them off and you wear them the next day, you know, kind of thing. And church was always special. I mean, church was a big deal because you got a chance to see all the cousins. Everybody came in. You know, you might have had to walk, you know, five miles to get to church and wow. you brought lunch with you and everybody shared and everything. But so life on, on the farm was just wonderful. But if you went into town, that's when you saw the segregation. So, um, And they didn't want to take the kids into town because we might run around this way, that way, and get fussed at or, you know, worse. Um, so I was in, in town. Papa took us to town. And uh, my grandmother said, I don't. And, but he, come on, she can go to town. So we went to town. And so we're in the city hall, and I wanted some water. Hmm. White water fountain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not thinking thirsty went, got some, you know, went to get some water and I got snatched up mm. by a sheriff mm. oh. who called me a bunch of names oh. and my grandmother came over and it was so, you know, she's like, she's don't, you know, she's ignorant. She doesn't know that. And I'm like, I'm not ignorant. And, and my grandmother <laughs> said, she can't read. And I'm thinking I can read, you know, I mean, I, I, I knew white, black colored because mm-hmm. I was born colored back in the day. We were, we were colored and, um. So then my grandmother and my grandfather got into an argument. See, you shouldn't have took her to town in the first place. And then, mm-hmm. So then I was upset because I didn't know why my grandmother said I couldn't read when I could. Um, and then because she, my grandmother and grandfather were arguing and fighting, and I felt bad because of that. So here I am, just a basket case. And I think that's one of the reasons why we ended up coming up north to start school. You know, it's mm-hmm. like... Um, um, how old well, were of you? course, five. Okay. Yeah, oh, wow. okay. and it, so it's like, you know, a lot of the, the relatives wanted to come up north. You know, it's like the automobile company and the benefits yeah. and everything, and then you don't have to worry about like my uncle Snap, my um, grandmother's uh, brother, who uh, the Ku Klux Klan came and got him one day, and we haven't seen him since. You know, mm. so but but like, the people down there and you know and I, I hate that we always have to talk about our white friends and our colored friends or whatever have you but my grandmother was well respected and another thing that breaks my heart is to say that if you knew your place in life then you were okay nobody bothered you but how come your place had to be a little corner of something you know um and uh, I, one of the things I remember, and people think this is weird, I miss the smell <laughs> of burning leaves and trash in the yard. <laughs> you know, I used to sit on the porch and, mm-hmm. you know, in the evening when you take everything out and start burning it. And, and you know, it was it was soothing, you uh-huh. know, and, and, and relaxing. And I tell people, you know, I miss the smell of burning leaves and trash. And they look at me and say, this girl has a problem. <laughs> Smells no, are so exactly evocative. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they yeah. Are. And they, they kind of stick with you, you mm-hmm. know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that you know, it, life was good. It, it really was. Mm-hmm. There, It wasn't good for everybody, but it was good for us, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about Rosie Young. Um, obviously, you know, she was a, a good deal older than, than you, so you weren't exactly contemporaries, and yet... You know, I think her life did touch yours. So tell us about your personal experiences with her and the work she was doing. Well, um, Rosa Young was the sister 
Okay, so I get your, you know, get listen, get your ears on, you know, uh-huh. that, that kind of thing. Okay, so Rosie Young's sister was married to my grandfather's brother. Okay, okay, and we all lived. Um, I think all the all the my grandfather's. Uh, brothers, they like all had 25 acres of land all next to each other, oh, you know, wow. you know, we called it spitting distance from each other. <laughs> okay. So since Aunt Madiri, that was Auntie's name, who was married to Grandpa's brother, got that? Okay. <laughs> since she was Aunt Madiri, when Rosie Young were caught, she was Auntie Rosa, uh, you know, hey, Auntie mm, Rosa, mm. you know. Um, and then as we got older, we had to call her Miss. Ms. Young, because of all of the students that she had and everything, and we couldn't be any different than anybody else. But um, this is something that don't tell anybody I said this. Yeah, right. We're, yeah. <laughs> no, nobody. We won't tell. Put it out on the internet. She had, you know, it was like as, as a, a, a kid, you know, she had a mean streak. <laughs> like, kind of like, it was kind of like, oh, wow. <laughs> But as you got older, and and it wasn't a mean streak. It was a seriousness of, I know you can do this, mm-hmm. and I'm going to see that you do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm surprised I'm not a teacher. Um, if you remember or look at the movie, um, the first Rosa, when the very end, when they were doing some interviews with some of her students, and uh, my cousin Mary, who was actually uh, Mary, helped take care of uh, Dr. Young at some period of uh, of time, and she was also one of her students, and. Um, I totally just lost my train of thought. Where was I going with You're surprised you're not a teacher. Uh, Oh, right, right. So if you look at me. And now we know why. (laughs) But if you look at the movie, Mary was saying, and some of the other people were saying that either she looked at you and told you you were going to be a teacher. And sure enough, you Mm -hmm. were a teacher. So I guess I wasn't in class that day. I kind of scooted out or something like that. But. But Mary became a teacher, and then um, and Mary's uh, brother, my uh, my cousin Oscar, became a Lutheran pastor, and uh, and in the movie also when um, and in her book, you know, um, the the men she would mm-hmm. put their her hand on their head and saying, "You are going to be a pastor," mm-hmm. and and sure enough, they they became pastors, and uh, you know, she just had a way of. I guess she could even look at you and make you want to be a, a teacher or a pastor, you know, rather than have to deal with her. But she was, I mean, she was serious. Okay. I'm okay. Um, she was a take care of business and a serious person. But then I didn't even realize how big a deal she was. Because as a kid, you know, she's Auntie Rose, and then she's, okay, we got to call. Why are cousins calling her Miss Young? And I call her Auntie Rosa, you know. And um, the seriousness. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize how much of an impact she had made on so many people there mm-hmm. and elsewhere. Because family was leaving the South, going North. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they were bringing with them... Uh, a, a legacy of Rosie Young. They were starting congregations mm-hmm. in the north from the people that were down in the south in in those 
churches and schools. I was baptized in in Rosebud at Christ Church, which was the first one that she opened up mm-hmm. uh, down there. And um, and there were some Sundays. I mean, she was busy. She was she was on the road. She was like a circuit rider all mm-hmm. over yeah. all over yeah. Alabama. So it was you know not that often we'd get a chance to break bread together, but but we did. And um, it, a beautiful, a serious. You know, I just have to say take care of business serious person and mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean we see that, that throughout the book is yeah. she's so Focused. tenacious mm-hmm. and so like hard working and if you if you show up to the school building and it's locked you're going to go find the person with the key grab two kids along the way and be like you're coming to school and then opening it up and like that she was so passionate about what she did I'm not surprised that she had sort of this this mean streak or this this <laughs> sort of roughness, this seriousness let's, about. Let's call it rather a backbone. A backbone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's a woman good. on a mission. <laughs> she is, and even like going around asking her white friends for money, mm-hmm. like oh, that's mm-hmm. that takes a lot of guts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and a lot of times, at least remembering from my childhood, some of the best teachers and the best role models I had were the ones that I thought were mean Mm -hmm. because they have those high expectations and they uh, they expect you to do your best and be your best. And when you don't necessarily want to do that or be that, you think it's mean. (laughs) But first week of school, they're the meanest person on the planet. But when you graduate, they're the person that you keep in touch with. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Those are the people that make you better people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's. Mm -hmm. It's so great. That it's, I mean, it's funny, but it, it makes so much sense that, that she would be one of those people mm-hmm. um, because because those are the people that, that push people to be a higher uh, to, to a higher level. Mm-hmm. Now, Kay, tell us, I'm a, I like that you started telling us the story of the, the Great Migration, you know, where where families are going north and taking their Lutheran faith with them. But tell us about the Lutheran churches and schools, the Lutheran community in Alabama specifically. What's still there, but also the diaspora and where has it spread from there? Um, Well, um, back in the day, there were quite a few. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the total was was about 35. And you actually could have used a few more because with the distance, with everybody having a lot of acreage in between them, to get to a church was, you know, it was a pretty interesting thing. When I was little, we didn't have a car. We had Rex. He was a horse. You know? <laughs> Rex. We had a wagon. That's the best name. You know? uh, but the church was really spitting distance for us. We just went through, you know, through the woods in the back and went to, to the church, to, to uh, Christ Church in Rosebud. But others had to go a pretty good while to get mm. to church. But church was very, very, very important. And it still is today down there, even though the majority of the churches that um, she was responsible for helping get going have closed. But Mm -hmm. I look at that in, uh, you know, today, um, I'm from the Detroit area, right, uh, a northwest suburb of of Detroit. And um, the churches, some of the churches that we had in Detroit, there were a bunch of them. Uh, mm-hmm. I met a guy back in the 80s from uh, AAL. He came to the house to A-A-L. do something. Yeah. Uh, yes. from the past. Currently, <laughs> Thrivent Financial. <laughs> 
And not a paid um, advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> he came to my house and he said, I've never met a black Lutheran before. And I said, well, come to St. Philip Lutheran Church on the boulevard. It's a whole sack of us there. <laughs> and, you know, uh, so St. Philip, Berea, mm-hmm. uh, Bethany, Outer Drive Faith. If you go to any of those churches in Detroit, um, there are people there from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, there might be a few people from Mississippi or Georgia, but you're going to always have somebody from Alabama who knows somebody <laughs> who you know. So it's like you still have to behave because, um, yeah, child, I knew your mama. And um, I knew your grandma. My grandmother lived to be 102. Yo. Oh, wow. And at her 100th birthday, uh, the, the news guy came from Montgomery down to her birthday party and says, um, Ms. Ramsey, uh, what's the secret to, to getting old? To be a hundred years old, she she grabbed his hand at his microphone and she pulled it close to her mouth and she said, "Minding my own business." <laughs> oh. And then she pushed the microphone back away from him. Right. So that's the best. So that gold. Uh, <laughs> that is gold. <laughs> But oh, even even um, you know up north with the churches, the people who came from down south, they still brought with them that uh, getting together after church service to have some fellowship. Mm-hmm. So like in some of the churches, when you go to it, you may have like the coffee hour where you yeah. have some coffee and a donut. <laughs> well, honey, at St. Philip Church, we were frying chicken. <laughs> <laughs> We would quarter the chicken, you know, because that was down in the south. You would have all this food that you'd bring to church because people might have walked five miles to get to church. You have church Mm -hmm. service. And then when it's over, you eat together and then you Mm -hmm. walk back home. So (laughs) up Mm -hmm. north, it was like, well, we're going to have us a good lunch together before you go home, even though home might have been five minutes away. (laughs) But that was that same thing. You know, it's fellowship. Church is over. I haven't seen you in, you know, a week and in some cases a little longer. So let's sit and break bread together and have a meal and find out what's going on. How's your family? What you doing? And, you know, things like that. Um, So, yeah, even though uh, the churches down there are closing, I still go down about four times a year. If it wasn't for COVID, I'd be down there now Mm -hmm. because of the Rosie Young celebration that's coming up next week. Mm But uh, the churches are closing up uh, up north as well. And Mm -hmm. a lot of, um, you know, the Rosie Young students are are passing on to Mm -hmm. glory as well. Mm -hmm. But we don't want her legacy to to pass away. No, Mm -hmm. ma'am. No, no. No. And it's it's interesting how much, you know, on the surface, we think, oh, those churches closing up that that's such a a tragedy what can be done to stop that well you know when you talk about large migrations of people whether it's uh, sorry i'm forgetting the name of the county Uh, it's Um, it's wilcox county wilcox county mm -hmm. that the population has shrunk by more than half since the 1960s so of course there's going to be a struggle to keep the churches open same with i might say downtown detroit also has seen shifts in population out sure but the gospel goes on and the people carry their faith with them sure which is i I always always need to put that in perspective and i don't think that dr young would consider her work in any way 
wasted. Oh, knowing definitely um, like not. Mm-hmm. that it's still the ripples are going out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to talk about education. Yes, because this was her life's work mm-hmm. that the church planting became a huge part of what she did. But she w- began and ended as an educator, and she always saw that as very crucial to the work of the church and to her own mission. And of course, we see schools closing today, just as we see churches closing today, and it makes me so sad. But why do you think, a question for anybody, why do you think she saw such a strong connection between faith formation, education, and church planting? Okay, I'll I'll take it away. Uh, (laughs) All right. You know, the connection with her, everything began with Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we all were to get up in our mornings and, and begin with Christ, we'd be a, a you know, a, a better country. She did not want her people or any people to be ignorant. So you needed to learn. You needed an education. If you could read, you could read the Bible. If you could read the Bible, you would know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Mm -hmm. There was so much false information being uh, spread and so many people living in ignorance, not just of of, of Christ and him crucified, but just ignorance of what was going on around them. Like I said, we were happy on our little farm, but when you went outside there, you you know, that's when you had the shock of the the real world Mm -hmm. and uh, it was important um, to her that you know what's going on around you uh, but starting with Christ uh, because he's the one that's going to get you through all that stuff when you leave the farm you know Mm -hmm. right Um, and it was important to have churches available for people to go to so you wouldn't have to uh, settle shall we say, for the guy, the, the jack leg preacher down the road, um, <laughs> you know, um, she knew that the Lutheran church, again, blame it on the Lutherans, <laughs> That's right. you know, um, had the pure gospel, uh, mm-hmm. you know, would tell the truth uh, about Christ so that people would know. And, and the schools, you know, we really, really have to do whatever we can can to keep our our Christian day schools open. Mm -hmm. You know, they're closing. And um, I know it costs money. Um, If you have anything extra in your purse, (laughs) you know, uh, do a scholarship and support Mm -hmm. somebody to come, Mm -hmm. you know, help them out. Um, Our school is tiny, but it's it's still going, you know, by the grace of God, um, that he has also put it in the hearts of a few people to help out. Uh, financially or, you know, in-kind service. And looking at, at Rosie Young, I think she said something about at all cost or at, uh, you know, whatever it whatever it takes, she was going to mm-hmm. make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to have that same attitude, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it takes, whatever cost, we're going to, you know, try our best. We have friends in high places. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she counted on friends. And it's the, you know, one of the things that we need to look at today. We need Christ. We need to work together mm-hmm. and not apart. Uh, she yes. suffered hatred 
uh, because, you know, people hated her and didn't even know her. Mm -hmm. And that happens, you know, today as well. (laughs) So um, being educated about what's going on in the world, being educated about who the people are around you rather than going on on what happened back in the 50s when things were, were segregated, you know, black people couldn't go. Well, we were colored back then, couldn't go to white churches. So that's why colored churches were started. And even looking at the history um, of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate and back, and I think one of the synodical conventions in um, in the 60s, it was, what are we going to do with these colored mission churches? Mm-hmm. And then it was said that then we were going to accept them into m- rostered membership in the LCMS. And, uh, you know, togetherness, together in Christ, sisters and brothers, you know, uh, in, in Christ, working together to build, to, to educate people um, and to teach Christ and him crucified. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy that that happened and so sad that it took so long mm-hmm. for that to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I think that you are so right in that she saw just the spiritual connection between education and faith. Very similar, I think, to Martin Luther's philosophy of education, you know, that young people everywhere should be able to read the Bible, read the catechism for themselves, and to understand what they believe and why, that this is the foremost goal of education. But then beyond that, education equips you for work to fulfill your vocations. And she definitely fulfilled hers, I think, in a serious way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think it also, I feel like there's an element of her recognizing, and like, I don't know that she ever doubted it, but the value of each person's life, like, I don't know, I'm I'm trying Mm. to think of, I was thinking about it while you were talking, and I've sort of lost exactly where I was going with it, but basically that each person needs the gospel and therefore they need to be able to read God's word. And, you know, so, so why would we cheat them of all of these other things that are going to be able to help them, you know, continue to understand more and more. And so let's, let's teach them and help them develop that so that they can have a deeper understanding. And it's all tied back to the fact of our basic spiritual need but recognizing that that you know each person actually needs that and they they should have it there is no no reason for them to have less to get a lesser access to it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so yeah yeah that goes back to another thing that that did surprise me or, or that when i was first reading the story about uh, the the schooling for the black children and uh, how it was only a few months of the year yeah. And that if if yeah. the the black schools didn't have the funding, uh, that funding would go yeah, to yanked, white yeah. schools, and then those children wouldn't even have an education. And her mm-hmm. um, her belief, Aaron, like what you were saying, that the, those kids mattered too, uh, and mm-hmm. and they deserved a, a just as good of an education. So she, I mean, she wore herself ragged. I don't remember how many di- like years she went without a, a vacation. It was uh, like 20 or something. It was, yeah, th- because she just kept going and kept visiting all of these schools in order to keep all of them open because it, it mm-hmm. does matter so, so much. 
she saw the mm-hmm. need mm-hmm. and she was there to fulfill that need. So if we had more, you know, if we could duplicate her, which, mm-hmm. you know, we can't, but each of <laughs> us can, uh, can do something and encourage other people to do something so that we don't um, run one person ragged, mm-hmm. we can right. all share right. in, in, in it mm-hmm. and, and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm reading Roses and Thorns at the moment by Ooh. Richard Dickinson, mm-hmm. and I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but I'm reading that. My husband's read it. We've been talking about it a lot, and it really sounds like we could use at least one Rosa Young right now, <laughs> based on, on what that book sort of talks about mm-hmm. um, and the, the issues sort of resulting from that. So yeah. um I think it's I think it's important to have historically black churches. I think it's important to have black schools, historically black universities and colleges. Obviously, we've lost that. But I had I have such an increased admiration for Rosa Young after having read that book. Like, she, oh, I like I can't even put it into words. Superwoman. She basically. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so much yeah. more like, mm-hmm. oh, I admire her so much. Mm hmm. Well, that that brings me, I think, to the the ultimate questions that come out of this book for me. Um, and, and these were the questions with which we we uh, ended our in some form ended our book club discussion online. If Dr. Young were with us today or could could somehow continue to speak to us today, what do you think she would have to say? And how can we strive to carry on her work in our own time. Obviously, huge questions. We're still, you know, the the conversation closed a couple days ago, and we're still getting new responses Mm -hmm. to that. And if you are, you know, within the next little while here, finishing up the book and have some thoughts, the event page is still there. It's archived. Pop in, share your thoughts, read what's come before. There's no reason that you can't continue to interact with this book and with the conversation that we're having around it. But I'll open that question up to you. What would she say to us? And how can we honor her mission with our own choices? I want to hear from Kay first. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, blame it on this, Luther. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, Education is important. And I think she would tell us to work for the Lord, serve the Lord, serve our neighbor. You know, those those were key, you know, Christ and, and education, which, you know, went hand in hand with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think, too, that learning, you would stop assuming things. Mm-hmm. Then you can mm-hmm. know things. Mm-hmm. And then I think that can also curve some of the hate that's going on today. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Next. (laughs) Well, I I didn't answer all of the questions in the book club group, but I did answer this one about what would what would Rosa Young say today? And without getting too out of hand, like you guys can check me if I just get really angry right now. (laughs) Like, I feel I think that she would say, don't don't be afraid. We all live in a culture that's working so actively against the gospel and the work that we're called to do as Christians. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to get up, like get all caught up in like terms and labels for things and people. And 
we use those opportunities to sort of be like, okay, I, I don't I don't want to deal with this movement right now because I'm going to lose sight of what the gospel is. I don't want to I don't want to devolve into secular humanism or you know whatever. I'm not I don't want to bring the gospel to these people because I'm going to get caught up in the culture. And I think that Rosa would say, well, no, these people need the gospel probably more than than anybody else that you know like go in there and get it done and i i you know time and again rosa shows through this book that she's not afraid and she's not gonna let obstacles stop her from doing what god has called her to do and if she was able to do that in her station in life in the place where she lived well doggone it why can't we do that mm-hmm. i mean she stood up to people who thought that she was a german nazi so correct yeah <laughs> let's let's yes. be honest here. I think she would say something to the effect of finding the opportunity, searching for the opportunity to serve your neighbor. There are opportunities mm-hmm. out there in your own circles, in with the people that you know in your own communities to take the gospel to people and to share the gospel with people. And we need to grab onto those and and like Bree said, don't don't be afraid of it. There are there are plenty of places and they aren't all on social media. Hint. Right. <laughs> <laughs> real people in real places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Flesh and blood. Yes. I think I'm as I listen to you guys and and think about the lessons that that Rosa has, like yes, do the work that God has given you to do. But don't assume that it's such a small narrow thing. Like she mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. like I'm a I'm a teacher. I'm going to teach and I'm going to I'm going to teach over there too and boy, <laughs> these kids also need it so I can teach them as well. And so maybe don't put so many limits on on that. Yes, do do the work that that you've been given, but don't assume that don't assume that it's such a small thing and like push yourself to see what new possibilities are there that God is opening up and and go for him and like you said do it without fear and thank God in everything that mm-hmm. like throughout yes. the book yes. there was this like yes. refrain yes. of mm-hmm. glory to God in the highest mm-hmm. like everything she did yes she gave all praise and glory to to I almost said Rosa she gave all Whoa. glory and praise to God <laughs> Amen. um and that is just such Mm. Such I just, a testimony. I, yeah. Such yeah. a testimony. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It wasn't it like her, every, it was God. Every chapter in her life started with prayer and ended with praise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And that's a wonderful example. And, For me, I... Th- oh, go ahead, Kay. I was going to say, and to add, um, we have sisters and brothers in Christ out there that can help us. Mm-hmm. She was not mm-hmm. afraid to call yeah. upon people to help her, to ask for yes. money, to ask for other assistance. Let me just stay at your house, you know, <laughs> right? while I'm mm-hmm. here, you know. So so we can't shy away from that. We, we can't say that, oh, well, I can't do it, so I guess it's just not going to get done. And we sometimes do that, you know, <laughs> uh, wanting to pat ourselves on the back rather than giving glory to God and, uh, and calling upon our sisters and brothers in Christ to work with us to accomplish. Um, the things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was, I mean, it, she accomplished so much on her own, but she was never on her own. She was always reaching out to people to invite them 
to contribute, to join, to to partner with her in the work. And I think that's another lesson we can take away. If someone reaches out to you like that, say yes, because there's going to be something good comes of it. I think for me, the thing that resonated, and I, I shared this in the in the book group, is that Lutheran theology is not limited by culture. Mm-hmm. We sometimes, and in, in the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge, we can be guilty of this, of, <laughs> of associating the riches that we have in Lutheranism with a specific cultural experience. But no, the gospel, and the reason we're Lutherans is not because of these shared cultural things. It's because of the gospel. The reason yep. Dr. Rosa J. Young was Lutheran was because of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that unites us. And we see coming out of that all sorts of cool cultural effects, but they may look different in different contexts. Uh, Kay, you were talking about the difference between, you know, the coffee hour and the big feast afterwards. And yet they come from the same place. Yep. Mm-hmm. This desire to be hospitable, this desire to share fellowship with, you know, believers. Food. To pour out <laughs> love to one another through yeah food yeah they all share food. but they come from a theological place yeah. and yet they express themselves in slightly different ways culturally and I think that when we talk about exploring Lutheran culture on this podcast what we're talking about is the former is the idea of seeing where does this trust in the gospel where does this love for one another in the church that the Holy Spirit has inspired to us? How does this pour itself out into our lives? And I think seeing and understanding that Lutheranism could blossom in such a very uh, unique part of the world as, you know, the Black Belt of Alabama in the first part of the 20th century is a reminder. The gospel is for everybody everywhere, all times. We don't, Period. It, it, it is unlimited. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing needs to get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Amen. Indeed. I do want to make one request, Kay. Uh-huh. If you could just let me know of the churches that have fried chicken <laughs> at the end of service. And let me know, more importantly, if they're going to be issuing a call in the next three years. <laughs> that would be really, yeah, I really you, great. You should institute that at your church, really. It's like, you could do that. You know, 8 15 and 11 o'clock service. So you had to go to the 8 15 service and then you cook the chicken uh-huh. so that it would be ready for the people after the 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Clock service, fried chicken you know, kind of Oh yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Well, any anyone else have final thoughts on this before we? It's time to close the book on this wonderful literary experience and talk about what we're going to do next. I'd just like to share um, one way that we are continuing uh, the Rosa Young legacy. We have the Rosebud Memorial Committee, and every year since um, 
probably the early 70s, we've had a memorial service at Christ Lutheran Church, which is really not open anymore except for those uh, the fourth mm-hmm. Sunday in September every year where we get together with as many of her former students that are able to come as well as some young people. Um, uh, anybody who's able to come is, is welcome. This year, um, on the 27th of September, it's going to be a virtual service. Mm-hmm. Um, but they take the graveside service we'd, we'd have that her grave is there uh, at the church all by herself oh. um, so I go by and hang out with her when I'm down there too um, but we um, offer scholarship funding for anybody who's going into church work we have the the Rosa Young scholarship fund mm-hmm. Um, so we want to make sure that anybody wants to go into church work, if we can help them out in some way, it might be a small way, but we're, we're mm-hmm. doing what we can to, to continue that. Um, the movie that came out was to encourage, and we ask people to continue watching it, you know, maybe once a year, you know, have it uh, as your Bible study and talk about it, show it to your students in your Christian day school uh, to let them know what Rosa went through. If she could do it, you can do it. That's right. You know? So we are continuing to um, to lift up Rosa Young and... Um, uh, the things that she did to move us to where we are today and not just, you know, the folks from, um, you know, from the black belt of Alabama, but hopefully, and I think that uh, just from meeting you guys that, you know, she touched your lives as well. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And all of that is at lcms.org slash the first Rosa. If anyone wants to, mm-hmm. uh, you should want to watch, <laughs> watch, the, watch the video. For everyone who wants to. <laughs> Which is everyone. Uh-huh. Uh, the documentary is there. Uh, we can link can, it on the Facebook and group, we, too. We will link it there. Yep. 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 All of those the resources. Film is about, the film is about 45 minutes long. It's yeah. perfect yeah. for a Bible study yeah. session. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's free to stream online. Yep. So don't get much better than that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we get to see her again. I'm so excited. Right? We get to see her in glory. <laughs> I know. I cannot yeah. wait. Yeah. It's, mm. Yes. Well, Agreed. thank you guys for having me. Nice Kay Wolf, everyone. Guys. <laughs> this was the best. <sighs> It's true. Well, you are always welcome back in the Lutheran Book Club, whether we're talking about something that has a personal connection for you or not. It's true. <laughs> okay. It's just, just wonderful. It was yeah. Thank you. Um, Thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's wonderful that we have you from our Facebook group in the studio with us as we begin to think about our next book. And I'm not going to announce what it is yet because I don't know yet. No, okay. um, <laughs> but. We are celebrating an anniversary this month. Yeah. It is our first anniversary as a podcast and yeah. a Facebook group. And oh, I can't believe it's been I a year. I feel like not maybe every anniversary is going to be this big. But you know how like when they get one, one of your babies turns one, you like throw this big party. They won't see the likes of it again until they're like 16. Why did we have but, cake today? Why did oh, I get my own cake? cake? Uh, I didn't even get my own cake. <laughs> We are celebrating all month long in September, and since it is still September, I feel like our next book club pick has to, in some way, be related to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. Okay. Um, So here's how this is going to work. 
We are going to choose our next book from among our own authors. And I know we have plenty of mm -hmm. authors in the group because occasionally you guys pop your heads up and I'm like, oh, hey, there you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so here's how this is going to work. Uh, if you are an author and a member of the Lutheran Ladies Lounge Facebook group, you are eligible to submit a book for our next book club read. What I would like you to do is please send me a Facebook message, Rachel Bomberger. I'm one of the admins. You can't miss me. And include the title of your book and a link to a relevant book page like on Amazon or, you know, your publisher's website. ISBN number. Thank you. ISBN numbers are helpful. <laughs> if you are the if you are the author of multiple books, pick one. Pick one that you think would be the best fit for our group and send that to me. And then how we're going to do this is rather than vote on specific titles, in my former life, uh, one of my former lives, <laughs> uh, you may not know this, but I was uh, the copywriter for a publishing house. Say yes. what? No way. And Lies. so I was responsible for creating short taglines for every book we published. And I would love to, uh, you know, brush up those, those skills. So what I will do is create an original tagline describing your book. And we can vote then on the description of the book. And that'll sort of create a slightly more anonymous experience for people. Watch for a series of polls to come out once I've, let, let's say you have one week to submit your books. So send me your information by October 2nd, if you want to be included. We'll say midnight October 2nd, because I'm I'm a night owl. And honestly, um, is it is midnight good. Eastern time? <laughs> Virginia time. You know what? If it's if it's in my inbox by the time I get up Saturday morning, October 3rd. <laughs> this is gonna I be feel like the... I'm back in the college classroom, which is another form of life. When's it really due, Miss Bomber? That's right. Exact time. This is going to be the only election so, you want to vote in this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we will then roll out a series of polls in which you choose between two descriptions of books, and we will then choose one book to read together in October and November, and we'll regroup again probably in late November, early December. Mm -hmm. uh, dates TBD. But I'm really excited to see all of our Lutheran Lady authors come out of the woodwork. Yep. Send me your information. And then once we after we've chosen our book, I'll create a master list of all the books that were submitted. So just in time for Christmas shopping mm -hmm. should be perfect mm, for that. And we yes. can support one another and our literary works. So that's how we're going to do the next book club pick. And I'm kind of nervous, but also super excited to see what comes in. Let's, Any questions? Let's be honest. You just want to write all of those taglines tag right. for all those books. <laughs> that was like the best job I ever had in my life. <laughs> like, I, all right, I've had, I've had more awesome. I've, obviously, I was the Lutheran Witness editor. And that best job fun. in the world. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm a homeschool mom now. That's also super fun. Not but copywriter, fun. man, I would do that again in a heartbeat. Hmm. So. <laughs> Now I get to. This will be great. Yeah. All right. So to recap, if you're a Lutheran lady author in the Facebook group, 
send a book that you have written and a page, your your website URL, to Rachel in a Facebook message. We will tag her in posts so you will be able to find her and she will be able to find your messages. And she's going to put together some polls and you have until next week to do this. So get on it. We want to read your books. And we will put a full list together at the end of all of this so that nobody is left out and we can all read everybody's books and it's going to be booktastic. If you haven't joined the lounge yet, and Join you want it. To participate. Now is your big chance. Now is as good a time as any. Yes, uh-huh. if you are a Lutheran author and you're not in the in the Facebook group, you should do. What that. are you waiting for? Lutheran now. lady author. The Lutheran Blue lady author. Yeah. No Lutheran <laughs> boy author. Sorry. Not yet. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kay, it has been fantastic I having you in studio. I, we have to do this again. I have more questions for you, but we can just like get coffee or something. Sure. That would be fine. Or, or uh, fried chicken. Or fried chicken. <laughs> Yes, Yes, it is. I mean, it's always fun to have people in studio with us or or on the podcast to Mm. give us an an extra voice. And you have given us so much to think about uh, and and so many of your stories. And I want to know more. And it's just been so great. So thank you. Thank you for for being in studio with us. If uh, you want to hear the rest of our podcasts, you can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app. If you're not in our Facebook group yet, go join our group on Facebook. There is so much stuff in there now, including book lists. So if you love books, there's plenty of books in there. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm minding my own business. <laughs> <laughs> You'll live long and prosper. <laughs> And I'm Rachel. (laughs) Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at KFUO.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. Sorry. 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 Here, I can move this. Technical difficulties, please stand by. (laughs) Don't worry, this will be one big outtake. (laughs) (laughs) Are we good? Oh, can you see her, Rachel? Hello. Uh, The lighting is not great. I know, it's it's all backlit in here. Uh Um, Okay. So, I need to do anything. But I can actually see both of you, so that's okay. great. Oh, okay. okay. Perfect. Because um, that's and more if you for both you than talk for us. with your hands, we'll be fine. Sweet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm Italian. I guess what I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>